Okay. So you sure you want the tree on? Yeah, I just want it to be on the tree. Just the tree? Yeah. Okay. Chapter 20, Descent into Darkness. There was no more debate. If Blackstone could find a way to penetrate Kane's defenses, Max wasn't safe anywhere in Avalon. Though it was the last thing Baron Lundgren had hoped for, he could no longer avoid it. Max would get his wish and join the expedition into the underworld. It was too dangerous above ground. Despite the atrocities that lurked below, Kane couldn't afford to leave Max unsupervised. The Guardian would be safer at his side, where he could keep a close eye on the boy. Regretfully, that meant the rest of the Griffins and Brooke would have to go as well, as the assassin would most likely target them next. Besides, if the world was about to be destroyed anyway, what was the difference? Better to die seeking victory than hiding in a closet until death finds you. The Fellowship would be led by Cain, with Logan, Athena, and Throckmorton to watch over the children. A select group of Thor agents, led by Soren, would be waiting for them near the entrance to the underworld. Stealth and speed were vital to success, and help would not be coming from the armies of the Templar, who, under the unstoppable onslaught of the Black Wolves, were on the brink of collapse. The last Max had heard, the handful of remaining Templar forces were under siege, and weren't expected to last much longer. It would be up to Cain in this crazy mission into the underworld to save the day. Are you lot ready? Logan asked. They really are at war. I mean, a siege, that is real. Logan asked, stepping into the armory. It was a narrow room constructed with walls of stone and lines with rows of laden shelves. I think so, Max said. He and the rest of the Griffins were seated with Brooke and Athena at a long table, stuffing their packs under Throckmorton's supervision. He'd handed each a checklist that included items such as flashlights, rope, carabiners, flares, wool socks, dry goods, water bottles, and plenty more. By the time they were done, the packs weighed almost as much as the children did, except for Brooks, that was. Throckmorton added most of her items to his bag. Good, the Scotsman said, inspecting their gear. The Baron asked me to give you a few gifts for our vacation. Here you go. With that, he threw each of the griffins a hooded jacket. They were deep gray with griffin patches stitched on the shoulders. Ah, these are awesome, admired Harley as he slipped his on. Harley has kind of one of the uniforms, hasn't he? No, that's been Ernie. Oh, right. No kidding. Harley's it's like we're a real super team now, oh, Ernie noted, strutting around the table. And you guys have them too. Sure no, enough, Logan Harley. and Athena were wearing the same jackets. Harley wanted... Uniforms. He seems like the kind of guy who would want uniforms with the entire gray griffins, just like a hooded jacket, like uniform uniforms. Okay. Not Ernie uniforms. So. As Max searched the pockets of his old jacket to make sure he hadn't forgotten anything, his eyes opened wide when he came across a rather heavy lump, Eden's clay. He'd been waiting for an opportunity to return it to Brooke's dad, but it was never the right time. So making the lame excuse that he had to go to the bathroom... Max disappeared so he could transfer the clay to his new coat without drawing suspicion. By the time Max returned, Baron Lundgren had showed up. So, how do you like the jacket? he asked. It's awesome, answered Max, who had noticed that under the griffin insignia, his jacket had one of the Thor hammers as well. Excellent, Brooke's father said, rubbing his hands together. These garments offer so much more than protection from the cold. They're woven from a special substance imported from the Shadowlands themselves. Will it make me invisible? 
asked Ernie, hopefully, zipping his jacket all the way to the chin. Baron Lundgren shook his head. Nothing is invisible to the creatures of the underworld, though the jackets will provide at least a modicum of protection from the things that go bump in the night. Just try not to put them to the test. What about our parents? Natalia asked, checking her watch. She was starting to grow nervous. I mean, I told them I'd only be gone a few hours. Athena smiled, patting Natalia on the back reassuringly. Don't worry. Where we're going, time doesn't exist. At least, not in the same way it does in your house. You'll be back before they miss you. A few minutes later, pack zipped tight and strapped on tighter, the Fellowship followed Throckmorton through a series of halls that seemed to offer an endless supply of choices. Virtually every fork in the road allowed them to go left, right, or straight ahead, and they'd passed at least a dozen such intersections. I still can't believe the assassin was Dr. Blackstone all this time, Natalia said, turning to Athena. I mean, what about the old lady in the woods who nearly ate us? That couldn't have been him, could it? And the lunch lady? A pizza delivery boy? There's no way. He'd have to be a Hollywood special effects and makeup guru to have all of those costumes perfected like he did. Besides, I didn't know werewolves could change shapes like that. Baron Lundgren shook his head. Blackstone is not a werewolf, he explained. He's actually a doppelganger. I wasn't, asked Ernie, who was loping between Brooke's father and Logan, figuring that was the safest place to be. Doppelgangers are shapeshifters of the most undesirable sort, the Baron continued. These creatures have no bodies of their own, so they spend their lives stealing what shape of anything they touch, be it the lunch lady, your fellow students, or even your own mother. When in the form of some victim, they are almost impossible to recognize, even by magic. Thus, doppelgangers make the perfect assassin. Did you know it was Blackstone? asked Harley, who was taking up the rear. I had my suspicions, Kane confirmed, but I had no way to confirm them until now, which reminds me he said, turning a suspicious eye toward Ernie. I believe it's time we discussed your new powers, Mr. Thunderbolt. Pretty cool, huh? Ernie smiled, patting his helmet. You may not think so after you hear what I have to say. Kane's brow furrowed. Your recent evolution is not by chance, and while you griffins have been reluctant to explain what happened, I am not blind. You have found some way to infuse Ernie with fairy blood, but your reckless action has resulted in Ernie's becoming a changeling. Ernie would be dead if it weren't for Max, Natalia defended, glaring up at Cain. Would he? Cain replied coldly. At any rate, if Ernie had known the repercussions, he may well have preferred the alternative to his current situation. What do you mean? Ernie looked down at his hands to make sure they were still there. I feel fine. Is there something wrong with me? You have become a changeling. Baron Lundgren repeated. A what? A fairy creature that evolves from one species into another. Even as we speak, the fairy blood is mutating inside of you, changing you bit by bit into what you will become. Each time you use those new powers you've discovered, you take another step closer to becoming full fairy, and there will be nothing left for you or your friends to recognize. Ernie's mouth fell open. So that explains why he's taller and needs a haircut almost every week, Natalia gasped. She'd been tracking any strange occurrences in her book of clues involving Ernie since he'd returned from the hospital. Max looked down at the ground, ashamed of himself for having done such a terrible thing to his friend. 
It seemed like no matter what he did, everything went haywire. If it helps, I would have made the same choice given the options, Kane said, seeing the glum look on Max's face. Thankfully, the mutation appears to be slower with Ernie than other cases I've witnessed. Perhaps it will take a lifetime to complete. In the meantime, you must avoid using these powers, Ernie. If nothing else, that should inhibit the change. Kane took one more hard look at Ernie as if he were mentally wiring the warning into the boy's brain, and then turned and headed down the hallway. Come, the underworld awaits. Afraid to move, Ernie had to be dragged along by his friends until his bundle of nerves untied themselves. Soon, Throckmorton led the group through a small door and into a dimly lit passage with low ceilings. The air was stale as they made their way steadily down into the bowels of the earth. It quickly became claustrophobic, even for fifth graders, and everyone was relieved when the end of the tunnel came into view. A round iron door like a bank vault was fixed into the wall. It was dingy and rusted and looked like it hadn't been touched in a thousand years. Throckmorton doesn't hesitate to turn the large wheel that protruded from the door. It screeched as the gargoyle pulled hand over hand until a loud clang echoed through the suffocating wall. A wall of rotten steam poured through the opening. You've got to be kidding me, Natalia complained, looking over at Brooke. Why would you have something like this in your house? Brooke shrugged and wrinkled her nose. I've never even been here before. I didn't even know it existed. Kane Lundgren was the first to pass through, carefully descending the steel great stairs that led into the cloud of stench, the click of his cane echoing as he walked. Logan motioned for the griffins to follow, which they did without a word. The heavy air seemed to drown any feeling of hope or adventure, leaving only the sinking sensation of entombment. It was only magnified when Max heard the gargoyle seal the vault behind them. There was no turning back now. Don't worry, Throckmorton offered, catching the look of concern on everyone's faces. We won't be in harm's way for at least another hour. Oh, that makes me feel a whole lot better, Agent Thunderbolt complained sardonically as drops of water pinged off his helmet. With the slippery stairs and thick clouds of impenetrable putridity, a superspeed escape would be suicidal. What good were superpowers if he couldn't even use them to save his own life? The cosmic speedster muttered before glaring secretly at Throckmorton. For some reason, he just didn't trust the gargoyle. Fair enough, he was almost killed by one. This way, Kane ordered as they reached the bottom of the stairwell. The Baron then led them along a brick path bathed in an eerie green light. All around them, the sound of water trickled through the passage. This place looks and smells like a sewer, Natalia noted, plugging her nose as she looked about. Hey, Natalia, asked Ernie with a mischievous smile, his eyes partially obscured by his fogged goggles. Pull my finger. Harley snickered farther up the line as Natalia glared at the bespectacled griffin. Boys are such barbarians. I mean, that was uncalled for. We're now entering the route of the passage of... I'll start over. <laughs> We're now entering the roots of the underworld, Kane explained, gesturing to an arched passageway. Though your sensibilities may well trick you into considering this place little more than a sewer, he said, turning to Natalia. I will remind you to take nothing for granted. Much like your expeditions on the island in Lake Avalon, I must ask that you stay close and be vigilant. If you wander off or become lost, I will not be able to save you. Remember, we are not welcome here. 
At that moment, Max caught a glimpse of approaching shadows. A lump formed in his throat, and his hand immediately reached for his ring. Who is it? Harley pressed gruffly his fists at the ready. He'd seen the intruders, too. I don't know, just a bunch of guys, I guess, replied Ernie, replacing his recently defogged goggles back on his face. His fairy-enhanced vision allowed him to see twice as far as his friends. They look like knights, and they're carrying lots of weapons. As the knights marched into view, Max spied at least a dozen Thor agents, each more deadly looking than the next. Soren was at their head, and they were armed to the teeth, shielded by high-tech armor and clothed in heavy boots and thick gloves. Some wore stocking caps, others ski masks, and some had grease paint streaked across their faces. Though their armor didn't gleam like the knights of old, it was ten times as strong and probably worked just as well against modern weapons as it did against magic fireballs and dragon's claws. The knights were stone silent as they marched up to Max and the others. Soren saluted briskly. Logan saluted back, and the agents of Thor expertly took up positions around the company. With each moment... Oh. With each moment, the black wolves grow, draw closer to the tree. Athena spoke, her voice breaking the silence. Is he coming or not? Patience, the Baron advised. He'll be here. We're a bit early. Is who coming? Ernie asked, his voice barely above a whisper. It was at just about that moment that a strange clicking sound echoed through the chamber. Click. Click. Is click. it who I think it is? It continued until Natalia gasped. Through the green glow of the sewer, she could just make out a silhouette of a freakish figure slinking through the fog. As it drew near, the griffins could see an emaciated body suspended in the air by what must have been a dozen long, spidery legs projecting from its back, each as thin as the edge of a knife. Bishop. Thrust out in all directions, they skittered along the walls of the tunnel, hauling, hauling the mysterious body closer and closer. I don't know how I was able to guess that by just click, click, click. Try I to relax. Try to relax, Logan warned, walking over to the Griffins. This guy is the ticket to the underworld, and more important, back out. Who is he? asked Bishop. Harley. He's called the Custodian. I don't even know if he has a real name, though he probably wouldn't remember if he did. From what I hear, though, he's not. Logan's voice trailed off ominously as he seemed to be considering his words. He's not called... Not what? Demanded Natalia. Not altogether sane, Logan answered after a moment's hesitation. Keep your eyes open. He doesn't operate by the same rules as people underground, above ground. Logan looked into each of their eyes sternly and then nodded. But if you do what I tell you, you should be fine. Ernie reached for his asthma inhaler instinctively, even though he hadn't needed it in weeks. He kept the device nearby, however, just in case. It never hurt to be prepared. Chapter 1, The Custodian. Oh, Chapter 21, The Custodian. Alright, what do you keep trying to yell at me? Why did they change Bishop's name? Maybe it's not Bishop. It's the spider guy who knows everything. It's not Bishop. Bishop? Yeah, Logan knows knows who Bishop is. He's the one that took Max, remember? Maybe the author changed his name? I don't think Bishop had spider legs. Get your feet off of there. Yeah. I don't think so, baby boy. All right, you want to read another chapter or are you done?
Atrium is Bishop and Atrium is Bishop. Okay, well that's silly because it's a new it's a new character. So if you what happens if Bishop shows up and then both characters are there, then you'll just have to imagine two bishops. Yep. <laughs> and that's against the rules. You can't imagine two bishops. I'll imagine a cloning device. There's no cloning device in this. <laughs>